Hey friends, I'm Stacy and I'm Melissa and we are teaming up each month to chat about books. What makes our podcast a little different is that we want to encourage your curiosity beyond the book. So how will we do that? In addition to discussing the themes, characters, and our review of the book, we will also discuss what the book taught us and how it inspired a curiosity of information well after the story finished. So now, let's get on with episode one. so happy you joined us today for the Curious Reader Podcast Episode 1. Today we're talking about The Silence Between Us, a young adult book by Allison Jervis. Well, I'll be giving a quick summary of the book in my review, what do you have in store for the listeners today, Melissa? So as I was reading, I had a ton of questions. So I'm focusing uh, on three, um, sorry, on four themes that include deaf culture, deaf president now, Deaf education and cochlear implants. I had so many questions about these things that I went off and did some more research on them. I can't wait to hear about all of that. So for those that don't know, we record this podcast in Gosstown, New Hampshire. And New Hampshire is something called the Isinglass Teen Read Award. This award helps promote teen reading, the participation of teens in the creation of their own reading lists, and it honors those authors whose works speak to youth. Titles are nominated for this award by teens in grades 7 through 8, and they can be fiction or nonfiction books, but they have to appeal to this age group. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is because The Silence Between Us is one of the nominated titles for the 2021 Isinglass Award. And we didn't even pick it for that. It just happened to be. I know. <laughs> so, I was so excited. Yay! Good job, us. <laughs> all right. Well, here is a quick synopsis of the book. So Maya, the protagonist of our story, lost her hearing around the age of 13 after um, she suffered an illness. And at the opening of the book, she is starting her senior year of high school. She lives with her mother and brother, and they have just moved from New Jersey to Colorado. Now, she previously attended a school for the deaf, but is now enrolled in Engelman High. It's a hearing school, a traditional public high school. In addition, Maya's younger brother suffers from cystic fibrosis, and it's because of this disease that she longs to have a career in the medical field after high school. Ultimately, this story is about her navigating her senior year, new experiences for her, and also new experiences for her classmates. It's a story where our protagonist has several trials that honestly could make anyone feel defeated. And yet she perseveres. She comes away with an even stronger sense of self and how she fits in the hearing world while not giving up deaf culture. I really loved this book because it talked about teen issues from a different angle, but I think any teen can identify with it. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. As you're reading it, you, you see those typical high school things that we deal with, right? So as I was reading the story, I thought of myself as a teen. It's hard enough being a new kid at a new school, and especially high school. That comes with its own anxiety. And now add in um, that Maya is deaf. She has a dedicated interpreter who walks with her to each class, classmates that don't understand deaf culture. Um, And definitely in the the book, she's a bit standoffish, a bit prickly, um, a bit defensive at times. And I didn't quite understand that at the beginning of this book, why she was like that. 
And she is verbal because she lost her hearing um, in her early teens, so she already had a sense of vocabulary and words. Um, but she prefers to use sign language as her communication method. So I love that you are you are telling me what you were thinking about as you were reading the book and things you didn't understand, mm-hmm. because that's what I'm all about as an information specialist. And we'll talk more about that later. But um, one of the things you bring up is ASL, um, American Sign Language, and this language is integral to the story and something else we're going to explore more in depth later. Yes, I, I definitely recognize the importance of sign language in this book as well. And, and actually, I didn't at the beginning of the story. And, and this is a, a, you know, I always look at the cover art of a book. Um, but this one, I, you know, I, I looked at it and I read this, the book. And it wasn't until recently when I was gathering my thoughts about what I wanted to say about this story that I looked down at the cover art and I went, oh my gosh, wait a minute. Those are those are hands. They're intertwined. They're made in bing bing you know like I was like oh it's sign language it was such an um, integral part of this story so So I just want to bring up something with that where you talk about you didn't notice something because I've been spending this fall with freshmen Mm -hmm. training them to notice so we show photographs in school and say tell me what you notice and there's so much in this world that just goes by us that we don't notice so part of this podcast I want us to really read between the lines and and really stop and think about the details and the questions we have and things we might not have noticed if we didn't take the time to do that yeah yeah I I agree with that that's oh that's awesome so here's what I also loved about the about the books um, that a little bit beyond um, learning about the deaf community, but also the relationships in this story from Maya's mother to um, her best friend to the blossoming friends. Uh, they, they're empowering and a great representation of healthy relationships. Um, those relationships that are important, positive means to reconciliation. And actually, as a high school librarian, I really like that because it's really hard to find a nice book these days. Yes. And this this wasn't so sickly sweet nice, but it, it's a book that I feel comfortable recommending to anyone. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and I think that it was real, right? The, the, the trials that Maya had, though for some of us, because we're not deaf, we might not understand them in the high school setting. We could relate. Absolutely. Definitely. So the second thing that I really loved about this book is it's an own voices book. And the meaning of that is that the author is part of the community in which she writes about. And in this case, uh, the deaf community, there's a certain extra level of authority in the writing because the author has lived it, understands the joys, the discouragement, the obstacles, and the triumphs that come through in the character development and writing. Yes. And I I just want to, um, we're getting ready to segue and talk a little bit about some of those details in the book. So I just want to pause and explain that I'm a high school librarian, and I'm an information specialist. And I talked a little bit about um, some of the teaching that I do. But in this role, I focus on information literacy, which is the ability to ability to recognize when you need information, the ability to find information, the ability to distinguish if it's good information or if it's bad information, and the ability to actually use this information. So this book gave me a lot of information right off the bat, but left lots of questions in my mind. And I recognized that I needed more, more information to fully understand Maya. So I went off and I did a little research. Yeah. And, you know, in my role at the public library, I connect um, teen readers to books and information, but I also strive to build relationships with teens. Uh, And so as I read this book, I wondered how I would connect with a deaf 
2015 that came into my library. I realized I needed more information. I needed to seek out resources in order to increase my understanding. And so I can't wait to hear about all the opportunities and the resources that can help me learn and grow and help our listeners learn and grow. And for everyone in the description field of this episode, we're providing links to those resources. So So today, uh, in conjunction with this book, I want to focus on several themes that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast um, that did come up in my research and helped increase my understanding. So the first is deaf culture. And I didn't even know that term before I started doing research. But this is what this book is really about. It's about how a deaf person gets along in the world. It's about how Um, She relates to other people and why she feels and does some of the things she does. So um, at the center of information literacy is asking questions. And I found myself circling back to this idea the whole time. I didn't know this term, as I said, um, but uh, there's a lot of information out there uh, about it. So I'm just going to pull up my notes. So the first part of deaf culture that's really important is American Sign Language. This is totally what deaf culture is about. It's the use of, or ASL as a language. Um, If we think about it, if you speak another language, whether it's French or Russian, really your culture is wrapped up in your language. And I never thought about ASL being a language that would really influence how a deaf person speaks and, and acts. Yeah, I, did, I didn't either. But as you're giving that example, that if, you know, you speak French, if you speak Spanish, if, that there is a whole culture that goes with that, that, that why wouldn't American Sign Language also have a culture that goes with that? So yeah, it's really, it's fascinating. Um, for one thing, the hands are everything. Um, imagine... Uh, I come from a culture where we do speak with our hands. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I think different cultures, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but if I, if for some reason I couldn't use my hands, if they were injured somehow, I wouldn't have a problem communicating. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're deaf and you use ASL and you lose the use of your hands, you can't even communicate properly. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge thing. Um, so a big part of deaf culture is an awareness of deaf needs. Um, and one of the things that Maya reacted to was people not having an awareness of her needs or people assuming that she needed things she didn't. She kept telling, stop helping me, stop helping yes, me. Yes, yes. And so in, in when I was kind of giving the synopsis of the book, I think I described um, Maya at times a little standoffish or defensive. And, and I didn't understand that reaction earlier in the book. It, it didn't come till later and some more research and understanding um, deaf culture that, oh, here's why. Exactly. So one of the things that came up when I was doing my research was a video. There's a new show called Deaf You on Netflix, just coincidentally. It's about Gallaudet University, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but in this short promo for the show, uh, a young deaf woman was going out on a date. I, I think it was a first date and the gentleman put a bottle of water between them and you silently as they do in shows you could see what she hear what she was thinking yeah. um, she said how rude to put that in front of me 
who would, you know, we wouldn't really necessarily think of that unless we were part of this culture or privy to this culture. So how yeah. is she going to communicate with a bottle of water between them? Between them. And, and so for me, I'm thinking, okay, I'm closer to the water if I want to keep, you know, pouring it. But, but that it, it adds a block between you and the other person. And that's just not something I think I would have thought of. Right. Um, one of the things uh, that I, I didn't research that I'm just thinking about now is the idea of diversity, which is, which is a huge topic in today's world and, and huge at our high school. The idea of what other people need and the mm-hmm. understanding of other people's cultures, um, it's important to think of this as another culture and another aspect of diversity that you may not think about. That's, that's a great point. That is a great point. So uh, the final aspect of deaf culture I want to bring up is the fact that people who are deaf, uh, at least most of them, don't see it as a disability. Um, Whereas I think we are very readily, those of us who don't know, think of it that way. And I'm, I'm wiping my brain and saying, no, it's not a disability. It's just another way of being. Yes. Yep. So... Um, I think we get a better understanding of Maya when we think about this as a culture. The second aspect of the book I want to bring out, bring up is the uh, Deaf President Now, uh, which was a movement that Maya researched in the book. And it was mentioned over and over and over. And I could very easily just have closed the book and said, okay, I don't know what she was researching done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I, I wish I could have read her paper in the book. But since I couldn't, I asked myself the question and said, okay, if I were going to go about learning about this, if I were Maya and I needed to do research, what could I find out about it? So I found out that on March 6, 1988, students at Gallaudet University, which is a deaf university located in the Washington, D.C. area, um, the students protested the hiring of their seventh president, who was a hearing individual. And all of the presidents had been hearing before that, and they said, okay, we do not want a hearing president, we want the president to be like us. And that prompted them to um, go out and protest, and they ended up uh, the the seventh sorry the seventh president ended up resigning and they ended up hiring their eighth president, who was a non hearing individual. Yeah. Um, and this changed everything. Um, and it's really interesting because I, we didn't mention this before, we, but we do have clips from... Yeah, I was uh, just going to actually mention that, like, oh, we actually have an interview. And there, yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> so a student at Goffstown High School, Maddie Charette, talked to us about her younger uh, cousin, who is uh, about six years younger than she. Um, and she talked about her experiences. Um, but she also talks about how important it is for a deaf individual to be surrounded by other deaf people or at least have access to other deaf people. So this was really important for the Deaf President Now movement. Um, You had mentioned earlier how... uh, With the author being like an own voices? Was that what... I was thinking about her her cousin needed to be around... Oh, like the uh, so one thing that you that was in this interview, I think um, Maddie talks about how her cousin, you know, especially being at the age she is, I think ten years old, that 
you know, if you're in a hearing classroom, you're looking at your interpreter because we've talked about how facial expressions and hand movement is integral. That's that's the language. So you're looking at your interpreter while the teacher may be writing something on the blackboard or sharing a slide or doing something else. Well, you're missing something there. You're either paying attention to your interpreter or you're paying attention to the teacher but not fully getting. Um, and, and so that's, that's a difficult... Um, atmosphere to be in. Uh, and so I think that having people around that understand completely where you're coming from and your needs is integral to learning. Fabulously put. And this was, <laughs> this was, <laughs> she did a little dance. I danced. <laughs> so this was really important to the Gallaudet students um, to make sure that they had someone in charge who really, really, really understood their needs. Um, the fascinating thing about this is it helped lead to the American with Disabilities Act, um, which came, I believe, a year later. And uh, So it was a very fascinating part of the book, Deaf President Now, that they really only touched on a little bit, but there's so much more there that we can we can learn. Yeah, we could we could probably do a month long podcast on this. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to stick to our four themes. So number three (laughs) is deaf education. Um, And as a teacher librarian, this was particularly interesting to me. I've studied the history of education. um, And thinking of the history of deaf education as another branch of education mm-hmm. was was fascinating. So in the early 1800s, the American School for the Deaf in Hartford, Connecticut was started by Gallaudet and by another gentleman. And then later on in 1857, Gallaudet's son started Gallaudet University, which is, I believe, a one-of-a-kind university for non-hearing individuals. Um, And I'm not going to go too much into deaf education, but just thinking about the needs of, of the deaf and the culture of the deaf and how education must be different, as we talked about before. Yeah, I think it has to be. There's got to be so much more there I could research, but I didn't dive into that too much. Um, I'm going to mention for a second time that new Netflix show, Gallaudet University, which is apparently a little sensationalist. Mm. Um, They focus on on, you know, what college students focus on. (laughs) Which Um, is its own other culture, college culture. (laughs) Absolutely. But to see college culture and deaf culture combined, I'm looking forward to the show. So the fourth thing that um, I pulled out of the book is about cochlear implants. Um, uh, Not Maddie. Maya found it so controversial or it wasn't controversial to her she just didn't want them exactly yeah and i i was when i first started reading in the book and it talked about cochlear implants i was like oh i've heard about this before you know the actual procedure what what um they are so i I was thinking oh yeah she's gonna want those and i was enlightened that oh my gosh this is a bit controversial and i didn't understand why at first but i but i think i understood much later in the book and i don't want to you know, I want you to come to your own conclusions. Well, and 
That's always nice. It's a nice thing for a librarian to think. <laughs> um, it goes back to our, our idea of deaf culture, that deaf is not a disability. Yes. It's just a way of being. And some people are perfectly happy not hearing. Uh, and I was mentioning earlier, I think it would be nice to not hear the person in the office next to me talking really loud or my husband playing <laughs> playing music. I can understand why you might value that and you might value the culture that surrounds the different ways you do things because you can't hear and and i think that in the book there um maya does have um hearing aids that do um kind of amplify i think and and help out with vibrations in the book but there are times where she talks about that she just wants to take them out she doesn't want to hear she she wants peace and silence at that moment Um, And so I think the book touches a little bit on that. Right, exactly. Actually, one of the interesting things that came out of reading this book is I asked an English teacher to work with me to have kids ask questions of uh, deaf students. And we actually have hooked up with deaf students in Ohio who are working to create videos to answer our questions. And one of the things that came up as important to my hearing students is wow, what if I were to lose a sense? And they actually asked the students, and I'm looking forward to hearing their response, and maybe we can put that in the notes or something. Yeah, I think um, we could add that in an addendum somewhere. Yeah, one of the things that came in their response, uh, up in their questions is, if, I, if a hearing person was to get their hearing back, what other sense do they think they could lose? That mm. is there another sense that they feel like they could um, deal with life without. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I so the kids really started thinking about well, what if I couldn't hear and then another interesting question was about music. Um, How do the deaf hear music? And in in the interview that we have with Maddie, um, that uh, Goffstown High School um, student, she that question is asked and she talks a little bit about her how her cousin um, actually loves music. And so I think that that's an interesting part of an interview to listen. She to listen loves to. Kelly Clarkson, actually. Yeah, yes, that's, <laughs> right, that's right. right. <laughs> so those are my four topics. So um, I invite you to look at the resources we have to learn more about deaf culture, the deaf president now movement, mm-hmm. deaf education and cochlear implants. We could probably talk for hours, as we said, about everything we learned about the deaf community and culture just by reading The Silence Between Us by Alison Gervais and taking the time to ask questions and seeking answers. That is certainly true. And I hope our next book provides us with the same abundant food for thought. So on that note, if you enjoyed this podcast today, don't forget to follow the Curious Reader podcast. That way you know when our next episode is available. The book chosen for episode two is Charming as a Verb by Ben Philippe. And that concludes our podcast today. Thank you for listening. And remember, the curious reader seeks understanding beyond the book. Hey there, listeners. This is Stacy. I'm asking you to hang in for a few more minutes so you can hear Melissa's interview with Maddie Charette. It starts now, and you don't want to miss it. Really amazing. Where does she go to school? Right now, she goes to the Learning Center for the Deaf in Massachusetts in Framingham. Oh, okay. Learning Center for the Deaf. But at that time, she was in she was at, in Manchester at the time. 
Where does she live? Does she live up here? She lives in Bedford. So she used to commute before it was remote. It was an hour and a half commute because that's actually the closest deaf school. There's not a single deaf school in New Hampshire. Wow. So, wow, that's a lot to commute to school. Yeah. I mean, now that she's remote, she doesn't obviously, but before it was an hour and a half and with traffic, it could be a lot longer than that, especially on the Mm -hmm. way back. So... Has she ever thought about going to a, I'm sorry to interrupt. Has she ever thought about going to a hearing school as far as you know? Um, Well, my aunt did consider that because the, the commute was difficult for her because she's 10 and that's a lot for a kid, but it just, it's very different. Like having to have an interpreter. I mean, the teacher signing, the student signing, she's able to actually have that kind of a social life and she's going to be able to engage with the teacher. And she found with having an interpreter, I mean, if you have the interpreter, you have to look at the interpreter and you don't look at what the teacher's doing. So if the teacher's writing on the board or like showing a PowerPoint, she has to look at the interpreter and the teacher. And that's just a lot to handle. for. Well, let's talk a little bit about sign language. So sign language is a a language, but it's also a culture, right? Very much, yes. So when did you decide that you were going to learn this this language? Yeah. Well, I mean, at first I just learned little signs to communicate with her, you know, like when I went over, like my aunt would teach me, but then once we got a really strong bond, I started really like immersing myself in that language. I bought books on sign language. I would teach my friends, which in turn helped teach me more. I would watch videos. I went to those lessons, but really what helped me learn the most was I spent spending every weekend there pretty much since I was like, 14 years old. So just spending time in that house where most of the time you're communicating in sign language, you'd learn because if she says something and I don't understand what she's saying, I'll ask her to spell it for me. And then now I know a new sign because I know what that word means. And that's just, that's mostly how I learned. It's just, just like, you know, when a kid moves to a new country and they're just around that language all the time, they pick it up, you know? Talk about the culture of that of sign language. Mm -hmm. Do you pick that up in the house too? Yeah, not as much as like at her birthday parties when all the deaf people come over. And that's just really when I feel it because it's, it's very interesting. Like the way like deaf culture is like you learn, like it's not just the language because like if you learn the signs, it's like, okay, but you have to do it a certain way. Like it's not, you're not actually signing unless you're doing the facial expressions too, because that's all part of it. You I was remembering class, the sign language teacher was like, you're not doing it. You have to do the facial expressions because that's just part of the language. That's, and another interesting thing with the culture is the dialects, which you wouldn't usually know about, but she learned sign language in Colorado because that's where she lived for the first four years of her life. So she brought all that knowledge over. So most of the signs I know are Colorado dialect, but now she's in school in Massachusetts in Massachusetts sign language is very different than Colorado sign language, even though it's the same language. Really? Are there other kinds of sign language besides American sign language? Yeah, absolutely. Most countries actually have their own sign language. Um, British sign language, French sign language, Chinese sign language. Most countries do have their own, but I believe Canada uses ASL. And there's a couple of other countries, like random countries throughout the world that use ASL, but the majority of countries have their own sign language. Interesting. So um, 
if your cousin were to meet someone from another country, would they be able to communicate? Are they, are they close enough? Like different, you know, like an Australian talking to an American or? No, no, it's really not. Like I've watched videos of like British sign language and I can't understand a single sign. Um, Is a cochlear implant, as far as you know, available to uh, all people who have a, a hearing problem or do you, is there something medical that has to, um, has to work. I can't think of another word um, in order to get one. So my cousin has two cochlear implants and I know that they're very controversial in the deaf community. Um, Very controversial. And it's, that's, it's the whole thing what you said, it's the culture and it's that deaf is not a disability. It's just a part of who you are. But um, for the cochlear implant, we thought, I mean, it's more, it's more for safety than anything else. Like if she's running in the middle of the road and we have to steal stop, you know, and sometimes hearing at least a little bit is a bit of an advantage, but we do know that is very controversial.